Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. With all with me always is Jason. What's going on, man? I am hanging in here, Brian. Um, I am. I tell you what, I'm getting a little tired of losing musicians that I really like. Right. Right. Yeah. And by the you know by the time this comes out, of course, I've already heard it, but we lost Taylor Hawkins uh, last At Friday. At 50 yeah, years old. From Foo Fighters. Yeah. Just, I was shocked. Like, I just shocked. And yeah, it's really sad, man. He was uh, one hell of a musician. And from everything I've heard, one hell of a guy. And yep. obviously a great bandmate. So yeah, it's uh, sad. And, you know, just our, you know, hearts, thoughts, and prayers go out to him and his family and Foo Fighters and everything. And just, yeah, I don't know what else to say, man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an average Foo Fighters fan. I really like them. I have a couple of their albums. I've seen them in concert. They're really good. They're not my favorite band, but I really respect everything they've done. And then all of the side projects that Taylor has been involved in, like um, he does a lot of classic rock, hard rock stuff. I've heard him sing Zeppelin songs in front of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, you know, years ago when they got the presidential achievement award, just a hell of a musician. Like you said, a cool guy, Foo Fires are a cool band. It's, that's just tough. And, you know, beyond all that, he was a really, really excellent drummer. Like he was mm-hmm. not a slouch and there's a lot of drummers and musicians musicians who really uh respected him because he was a beast back there and one thing that i never really thought about too much but i mean you know uh, just there's pressure there because you know dave grohl is you know you're yeah. he's your friend and everything but he's still, still still you know right. the, the band leader you know great boss drummer. and everything and then pretty sure he hears things a certain way how he wants the drums to be and so that's that's you know that's well, a lot to live up Taylor. to and, he probably tells Taylor, listen, I trust you to do what you're going to do. I'm not yeah. going to judge you. And like, right. holy crap. Well, I'm sure there's situations where he might want something particular, but yeah. Yeah. For the most so part. So do you think Foo Fighters are going to find another drummer or are they going to go the Led Zeppelin route and just pack it in? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, if they're similar to Led Zeppelin, if they're similar to Rush, you know, it's almost, you know, in those situations, there's just, there's no... You know, what can you do? I mean, I'm going to be honest, is a little kind of been disappointed in the stones that they went on without Charlie Watts, but uh, sure, sure. But yeah, um, who knows? Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be tough. I mean, you, you know, you have that chemistry that's been built for so many years. I mean, you know, you can, you know, maybe bring in someone that can, you know, play the parts that's like a studio musician, but right. as always, you have to have somebody that you're going to get along with and, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to, you know, forecast or whatever, whatever they got to do, they got to do. So, yeah, I almost wonder if they're going to at least pack it in for an indefinite period of time. And all these other guys they have in the band have side projects anyway. Oh, yeah. It's Chris Shiplett and right. Dave and, you know, Pat Smear has been in a bunch of stuff. So I could see him just doing something else for a while mm-hmm. maybe reforming or doing an audience show but I, I i i think he was a heart the soul of the band along with dave and those guys are best friends so i'm i probably hard pressed for them to go on but i yeah, i don't you I know what think. do i know it's just my opinion yeah right right yeah it's uh, who knows yeah um so you know that's pretty much you know what's going on lately so um i think we're just gonna you know, we'll lead right into, uh, we'll keep our heads up and we're going to lead right into talk, be telling you guys about our guest this week that's coming up. And this is always one of those things where, you know, uh, you know, once again, you've brought someone to, to the table that, you know, I wasn't familiar with. And, 
I'm always kind of curious as to how that's going to go or whatever, but it always turns out to be like so awesomely <laughs> surprising. And you find out like he's got all this other legendary you know, all these other projects, talents and things going <laughs> yeah, on. Too. Like, and all of a sudden like the, the, the band's like the fourth thing in the list of yeah. things that this guy does. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, so we have Bob Sully Sullivan from the Sully band on and I found out about him through Susan Hamilton, who works for a PR firm out of Nashville, who we've worked with a couple on a couple of things. And I met her at Rock and Pod. She's she's awesome. So Susan, if you're listening, thank you. It's always great working with you. Uh, but she sent the 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 album over to us before it came out, and I was listening to it, and I was like, man, like yeah, like this would be really good to have them on. I like the music. And then I read through the bios, and I'm like seeing all the people that are that make up the band like james east who's a massive uh, bassist who's done stuff with michael jackson eric clapton elton john um <laughs> you know you've got guys who played the drums with billy davis you've, i'm just go to the website go to sollyband.com because i'm not going to do any justice running running through there but you know dudes who have played with toto and you name it. So Spinal Tap, Ozzy Osbourne, White Snake, David Lee Roth, Alcatraz, like ditch, go, just go and find out. But uh, Bob Solly does radio. He does a couple different radio shows. He does a TV show. Uh, he does his, he's a, his own business uh, doing capital investment um, advice to people. And then he does this music gig, Brian, which is really good at it. Yeah, uh, just incredible people he's got in his band. And, you know, um, <laughs> like he says, uh, you know, he's opened up for, you know, Tommy Castro and he's, you know, opened up some other folks. And um, it, which is like, I'm thinking like, dude, you could be headlining any anywhere, any gig. And, you know, still you're, you know, you will open up for some some very talented folks as well. They will. And kind of when you guys listen to the interview, you talk about how their, their range is expanding on where they're getting booked for shows. And it is a tight, tight band. Um, the, the album, uh, Let's Straighten It Out, is streaming everywhere. You can see it. You can listen to it. Not see it. You can listen to it. Streaming. It's on the website for them. You can listen to it. You can check how tight they are. They, they have a YouTube channel, live performances, some Zoom performances. Uh, they are, man, they're solid. They're a really, really freaking good band. And it was we only, we only had a, a period of time to talk to Sully there just because he's in between so many projects and thank, you know, I thank him for giving us the time. He, he called in from his TV studio. We saw <laughs> awesome. sets and stuff behind there. He'd You'll find guy, some more but, about that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd like to talk to him more one day and I certainly will have him back. Yeah. All right, you guys kick back, relax, uh, and listen to our interview with Sully from the Sully Band. We're here at the guest segment of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. 
As always, you guys know, I throw it over to Jason to tell everybody who our guest is today. Thank you, Brian. As always, it is my pleasure to introduce the guest today. And I don't know how this guy has had time to talk to us. He does everything every day of the week, but we are super excited to have on Bob Solly Sullivan from the Solly Band. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. Great to be, great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. How you doing? You're in L.A., right? Uh, no, we're in San Diego. San Diego, actually. sorry. Oh, yeah. that's a horrible place. How, how do you yeah, right. survive living in San Diego? It's awful. <laughs> Here's the deal. I was born and raised in San Diego, and I only left. I had a record deal when I was, I think, 20 with Island Records, and I think I left town for maybe a year and then moved right back here. So, yeah, once you're sort of here, you don't leave. Um, if you can manage the property and the uh, and the gas. Right. It, it's expensive that. to live, but, you know, if you can survive the 70, 75 degree days of the sun every day, it's 365. I was just explaining that to somebody today. I mean, 80% of our weather, 85% of our weather is like 70 degrees or 72 degrees. And I'll tell you the best months out of the year, <clears throat> pardon me, are um, probably November through January. It's just fantastic here. And of course, you know, the problem is, is you really can't go on vacation because where are you going to go? <laughs> right. right. Everything stinks compared to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot to talk about. So let's just get right to it uh, with our limited amount of time. Just kind of give us a rundown of your career and then the, how the Sully Band came together, how this all has evolved. You know, it's funny. Um, I was one of those kids uh, that, that uh, was a, was made to play guitar um, when I was seven years old and um, I was trained classically, and, and that's when my your mom would uh, set you on a stool. When you remember, you guys when you had company over, mm -hmm. um, and you'd sit you on a bar stool and make you play. And I got um, I got to the point where when I was probably nine years old, I was doing uh, recitals uh, in and around San Diego. And then, you know, as you get older, um, you realize why you pick up a guitar. It's the same reason every little boy picks up a guitar because he gets the girl's attention. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's sort of how the music thing started. And then. Um, you know, my dad was a, uh, my dad was a, was a real blues aficionado and, uh, it took me to my first Otis Redding concert when I was six nice. and, and it, uh, and it probably was illegal to even take a six-year-old because you know how things were back then at Otis Redding concert. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I'm 90% sure he was providing the pharmaceuticals back then because he was, <laughs> he, was, he, was he was a little bit of a wild man. Well, you, you were the designated driver. You had to go. Yeah, exactly. At six. <laughs> yeah. I was again, I got him another drink and his cigarettes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's how it started. Fast forward, you know, I started to be a senior songwriter uh, in high school and college. And then I got a development deal um, with, with Island Records back then. A development deal is pretty much a way to say, um, don't give your music to anybody else, but we're going to put you out to pasture so we, until we find something. You have to, you know, give cassette tapes every month oh, yeah. or so and so on and so forth. So, um, and I chased that for a while. And then, and then suddenly uh, my entrepreneurial spirit kicked in and uh, ended up starting a newspaper of all things up in LA uh, when I was, well, I'm going to call it probably 25 years old. And uh, uh, sort of the rest is history of my business career. You know, I, I hopped, skipped, jumped my way into raising capital for myself and capital for some of my advertisers who couldn't, who couldn't afford to pay me. And the next thing you know, I really started understanding the world of uh, finance and, and, and the investment banking. I created a software program <clears throat> that I ended up selling uh, for a pretty good exit and uh, started doing consulting on the side uh, to publicly traded companies. And uh, about 1993, right in the middle of that consulting when I was all of 33 years old, I was asked by someone to come and do an interview on radio. And oh, about after three or four of those, I literally got hired to be the afternoon drive on a major market radio station. So it was like January, I was not on the radio. June, I was afternoon drive in the eighth largest ADI market in the country. And um, uh, I continued my consulting career with, uh, with 
investment banking, obviously chased the radio career hard at the time because it was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it pretty much was, a, you know, the campfire guy that didn't really do any um, didn't really do any stage performances. I was kind of a different part of my life. I've certainly never put the guitar down, but it certainly didn't play professionally anymore. And um, little by little, I ended up getting syndicated on radio, um, got picked up by Armed Forces Radio Network in 175 countries, a show called The Big Biz Show, which is now um, in uh, about 150 radio stations across the country every day, um, 175 countries still on Armed Forces Radio. We're on Biz, TV, uh, we're on Biz Talk Radio Network, as well as iHeart Radio, but then I also got put on TV about 15 years ago while we were on radio. So um, Big Biz Show is now in 110 million TV homes nationwide every weekday along with 150 radio stations. We air on uh, the Biz Television Network and American Life Network, as I mentioned. So, um, but during this whole time, I was still consulting um, and still uh, um, you know, doing the media thing. And um, I met a guy, a buddy of mine um, here in San Diego who would come over and, and we'd basically drink beer and play music on the weekends. Um, and you know, we'd have a whole crew in the backyard. And he brought somebody one time who asked me to play, um, who asked me to play um, um, or sing a song at the church. I thought, man, and I, you know, and I, I had deep background in gospel music and so on and so forth. So I sang uh, at the church one Sunday and said, yeah, I'm not really interested in joining a band. And I'll say six months later, uh, ended up being uh, the, uh, the guy that was leading the gospel worship band here in San Diego. And the band you see today, um, many people in there were from that from that group where we played at the rock church we played at victory outreach we played at all of the all the churches down in southeast san diego uh, which are pretty much churches of color and um we got to be so incredibly tight and good that um it was almost a distraction for for the pastors because people were coming in, as they say for the rock show not the sermon right well they were looking at the stage instead of looking up is what the, is what the pastors used to say so uh, i'm going to call it um gosh, maybe 1999. Um, somebody at one of the big, you know, giant church things we played, and, and I'm talking, there was thousands of people, some of these things, asked us if we would play at the House of, House of Blues um, uh, Gospel Brunch. So I don't know if you have that in your city, but uh, in mm-hmm. San Diego, they got these Sunday gospel brunches where it's, it's, it's really a blast. Well, they asked us to play there, and we killed it. So now, so then we get asked to play, you know, at night, I think on a Thursday night, and Little by little, we started gaining a crowd. Um, and of course, keep in mind, my day job is still intact as, mm-hmm. a, as an investment banker, uh, my, you know, then, then radio in the afternoon. <clears throat> I managed it to where, hell, I was only playing Thursday through Sunday. And it wasn't every Thursday through Sunday. And I will tell you, just like um, any um, sort of, you know, we're obviously with this album, you know, having charted number three, the number two on the blues chart, getting a lot of attention. And people are saying, where'd you come from? Well, check with me 15 years ago or almost 20 years ago. <laughs> You've been um, in entertainment. Now your album's less straighten it out. It just came out on March 11th, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. March 11th. It was a, um, one of the guys we used to beg to play was Chris Goldsmith, who's the president of uh, Belly Up Entertainment. Belly Up here in San Diego is, a, is one of those classic venues a la Troubadour or, mm-hmm. or many others up in LA, but it's one of the go-to places where you get to see uh, up-and-comers as well as, I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers played yeah. there, I think, for the first time ever. Even Rolling Stones played a private there. It's just one of those iconic places. Right. We begged and begged and begged to play. Um, ended up getting a, a, a happy hour, I think, and um, you know had pretty good success. So over the years, Chris and I have become friends, and basically he 
he had this idea because we have a pretty unique band that does uh, some original stuff that I recorded a few years ago. And then also, you know, we have a really unique way of doing our covers since I've got uh, a Panamanian rapper as well as a, a, a as well as a drummer who raps along with a four person horn section. And so we're, we're you know, we're a, a cross of R&B, funk, blues, jazz and, and international too. You have a lot of people yeah. from other countries in the band. Yeah, it's interesting. I, somebody interviewed me uh, here at the LA Times, or I beg your pardon, it was a union. It got reprinted at the LA Times. But he says, he says, was that by design? Because you look at a picture of you, and it looks like you know, you guys are multicultural. And I, and it just, it wasn't a thing like that. You know, um, my um, my half brother, uh, or I should say, step brother, as a kid, was a black guy uh, that I hung out with. Um, we were friends in school, and my parents adopted him. And it was just nobody ever thought about it so i've never thought about it it was just you know one of those things he and i played music together by the time we put the band together we just put together the best people out there you know i got steve dillard who's on on key or on uh, on trumpet who's you know played for the righteous brothers and uh huey lewis and leonard skinner and jimmy buffett and you got trip sprague who played with with um who's on sax who played with kenny loggins you got tomoka jarvis who's also on sax currently on tour with andy grammar you got uh, April Leslie playing the uh, baritone sax, who, who toured with Michael Bolton for years. And the name goes on and on. I mean, my, my yep. music director and partner, James East, um, who's the brother of Nathan East, of course, who's, who's maybe the most recorded bass player in the history of music. James himself toured with Eric Clapton and toured with Lionel Richie and a number of other names. So I got all these names around me and, and it was just happened to be that, you know, you have a couple of pink, white Irish guys, and then you got a couple of Hispanic guys, and then you got a, a, a an Asian American sax player and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, and on top of that, a Panamanian rapper. So um, it wasn't contrived. It just happened that way. And I, it's, it's sort of what um, I think that, that the, the U S should be, should look like, and, it, and hopefully um, what the world will look like, because, um, it was it was not a function of um, we're going to be a multicultural band, and so we certainly wouldn't sound like world music. Although maybe sometimes people confuse us because they just look at the picture and think we're a world music band. But right, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It just it, it turned out. So there's your there's your long winded answer to a very complicated question. Well, my mind is blown. <laughs> yeah. Well. well yeah. <laughs> So I have, a, I have a couple of things for you. One, when I went over the bio on the website, um, it's amazing. Like you look at you and everybody that plays with you. It's like, this is like a ridiculous lineup of musicians from top to bottom. So that's really amazing. And I think you hit on something important too. Well, what's, of, hold on. What, what's amazing is I'm the worst musician up there. By a lot. <laughs> You're not no, a not bad musician. <laughs> no, listen, there's most of the time I will tell you, and I'm sure that you guys have done this before. You get on stage and you got guys like that around you. I just, um, yeah. You know, I just put the pedal back. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't really have to play. Um, these guys I, I'm are in amazing. a band with friends and they are all way better musicians than me. And I most, most of my joy playing with them is being on stage and watching them. That's exactly them right. Yeah, I feel you know, the same that's, way. That, that's a good way to be, but not often do the, you know, so-called quote unquote, worst, worst member of the band's named after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a scam going there. That's that worked out pretty well. I'm but, the lousiest guy up there, but the band's named after me. But it, it's it's really great. And Brian and I were talking before you got on, and you've like I think the international flair or the diverse backgrounds really adds to what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's blues influence, but you have soul, all R&B, and you've got a very much like the, a Tedeschi Trucks band thing thing type going. You're not them, but like you've got horns, you've got sure. this diversity of sounds, and it is a uh, your album is is excellent mix of new stuff. There's some covers. I mean, it is. It, it sounds like a bunch of 
all-star musicians getting together and having some fun. Well, we did, and we we were uh, fortunate enough to uh, to record at the old A&M Records, which is now called Henson, and uh, uh, as in Jim Henson, where the Sesame Street nice. was Nice, yeah, filmed. yeah, Mumpet and, Sesame and, Street, yeah. yeah. And, and A&M Records, of course, was where We Are the World was uh, was recording. I can tell you there's a number of very, very big names um, that, that stopped by and said hi. Um, either as we were on our way in, way out of the studio, but it's a legitimate, you know, sort of historical recording studio. Uh, originally, that studio was Charlie Chaplin's studio. So anything you see from wow. Charlie Chaplin was that piece of real estate in Los Angeles and uh, turned into obviously AM that turned into Henson. Now it's called Henson Recording Studios. But, and I'll tell you, look at those guys. We recorded that album, I think, in four days. Um, and they were deep track stuff as a tribute to the, you know, the early 60s, or early 70s, uh, the real RB blues type stuff that that, you know, I, I would say my dad used to listen to all the time, but boy, I heard it and the thing just resonated with me. In fact, yeah. the only pushback I gave Chris on this whole album was the last song on the track, Higher and Higher, because I said, I just can't see it fitting. But if you look at the story that this album tells about a couple of people that are in love and then struggling and then trying to figure it out and then all of a sudden come back together, it, it put it in a really nice bow. And I also think it's kind of showed our diversity as musicians on that last track, even though um, you know, I think even the last day I was going, are we sure we want to put this on here? And we decided just to do it. That, that song, I think, took one take all together wow. as a band. And it turned out to be one of the, one of the most fun uh, tracks we have on there. For sure. It gives you an even 10 tracks on the album, which is perfect. Yeah, it's good stuff. Ice Cold Daydream is one, one of my uh, favorite tracks on there. Well, I'll tell you what. That is a song that has grown on me. That, so the, the, two, the two stepchildren were higher and higher in Ice Cold Daydream. And Ice Cold Daydream brought you right back to 1968 and the acid days and all that stuff. I mean, the, even this, this music sounds like it. And the more I listen to that thing, um, the more I get into it. But that was one of those other ones that, that I was like, are you sure? And we started doing it and the thing, the guys killed it on there. I mean, it was, it was, was one of those, um, it was just one of those tracks that, that has taken me by surprise. And of course I had Rebecca Jade, um, mm -hmm. who is, you know, the, the artist of the year here in San Diego and, and, song of the year and and uh and so on and so forth singing on some of these tracks and that was one of them that she just brought the thing to life yep and i mean even the first track when the battle is over is a great high energy song to kick oh, off yeah. the album i think that might be my favorite one no that's an aretha franklin well i shouldn't say it's aretha franklin aretha franklin made it famous but she did it as a solo and um you know rebecca and i've been friends for a long time here in san diego and she's you know her and i've you know, traded, you know, uh, nominations and awards at the San Diego Music Awards. And I've become a real fan of hers. And, and she actually, when we got asked to play Kabo, which is a pretty big music festival here in San Diego uh, for a while back in 2018, it was kind of like a bit of a Coachella for, for, a, for a high touch crowd. Mm -hmm. she, she even came up and played backup for us uh, or sang backup for us. And then little by little, you know, we've watched her career go crazy. That's the next person that you're going to have to have an appointment to talk to because that that, that girl is going to go nuts. I mean, she was on stage with Sir Elton John during the Oscars two years ago. Wow. This is, she's the real deal. And she was, she was so generous with her time on this album. And I, I will tell you when the battle's over, give me a little time or give me a little sign. Um, the, um, uh, of course, Ice Cold Daydream and a number of other ones. I, I gotta say, I, I, they, they, once again, I was still the least talented person on, <laughs> on the album. <laughs> But you're very talented, so even saying that is really not that much of a dig. But yeah, you just have an all-star crew there. A great cover, nothing from nothing. You know, yeah. everybody, that's been a lot of shows and TV, so people are going to recognize that. But you do that one justice as well, too. Sounds great. We have a, you know, we open up every show um, with that song, and we start off with Trace Hodgins, our drummer, and Nacho Sobers, our, our uh, conga player and percussion. 
going back and forth as uh, you know, for a few minutes as the crowd kind of gets warmed up and a little by little the horns come up and the keyboard player comes up and John Harford, a guitar player comes up. James, of course, is up there. And we kind of build that song up and come on stage. And by the time we got, we start singing that song, the, uh, the crowd's kind of in a lather. And it's, it's one of those songs that, um, you know, Billy Preston mm-hmm. made famous. And, um, you know, it's that recognizable song, like, God, I've heard that before. But it was just old enough where some of the audience, it was probably too young to even remember it was coming out. If I'm not mistaken, I think that song came out in the early 70s. But um, but yeah, that's that was literally, I think it's the band's favorite song right now to do live. Um, I'm not sure it's the favorite on the album. Um, we have, a, there's a consensus, and I, and I haven't really studied it enough, but um, let's straighten it out. Actually, the, 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 the namesake of the album, I think more and more gets to be uh, voted number one by the band. That and I Wish It Would Rain. Um, those are the one. two that, that people are, are, in my group, at least, are listening to. And, but that nothing for nothing is easily the most fun we have playing off of the album because we can't have Rebecca every time. If Rebecca could be on stage every time, it would be that. So who are your uh, blues influences? And does that, you know, do you bring in that purposely to the music or does that just come out naturally? You know, at this point, since I was, since my dad introduced me to so much blues um, and so much of that R, the real R&B back in the day, um, and even, even I mean, he, he was the first guy to even had me listen to Joe Cocker. And then the next track was Sly and the Family Stone, if you can believe it, or some of the deep, dark stuff that the Beatles played, right? I mean, mm-hmm. some of these things are obvious, you know, the Otis Reddings of the world, uh, Curtis Mayfield of the world, the, the, the people that, that you and I listen to all the time. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, those uh, where you sit down and you put it, put it on, a, um, on a turntable and actually read the lyrics, those what, back then, those that had lyrics on their, on their albums. It's the usual suspects, but if you sprinkle in also, you know, guys like James Taylor, you sprinkle in also guys like Jackson Brown, you sprinkle in even as a composer, Dan Fogelberg, uh, um, you know, but I will, um, I, I think that's where my influences come from. But I will tell you, on the blues front of it, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's the obvious choices every single time, you know, if you can, if, if you ask eight out of 10 of them, and you try to be cute, and you try to say, well, you know, this is, you know, so on and so forth. It, it just doesn't ring true. It's the same guys that got you, it gets you in the back of the jaw. You guys are the same type of guys too. When you sit there and you really realize exactly, you know, who those people were that makes you stop even when you're driving a car and you're the guy who hasn't gone yet at the red light because you're not texting, you're listening to this music. Those are the same guys that you guys are listening to also. I mean, I just can't get enough. Um, I can't get enough of, of, of an Otis Redding song or uh, Marvin Gaye. Come on. I mean, some yeah. of these things are are crazy and then even some of the even some of the the um recent artists that um you know alan stone for example my god what would he have been uh, in in you know 1965 um you know you start listening to some of these as rebecca j in the cold fact you know it, it's just it's that type of stuff where you just stop in your track so i'm going to say it's pretty diverse but but the usual suspects as far as blues influences so how, are, with everything that you have going on like how often are you able able to play? How often will you be able to play? How far out? Is this around San Diego or Southern California? Or well, we you know we typically you know we before COVID I think we were doing fifty gigs a year here in San Diego, but couldn't get arrested outside of San Diego. And then um, um, as a gesture to my guys, because as you know in the music business, when COVID hit, all those side men, all of those bartenders, waiters and waitresses, all those. Uh, the security people, all those load-in people and sound people were out of business that day. So 
you know, fortunately, you know, on top of the, on top of being on TV and radio um, at probably the highest level I could ever expected to be on, along with doing, you know, consulting with NASDAQ companies um, and the music. I also, you know, run, own and operate a, a, a television studio uh, called Loft 100. That's pretty, um, that's pretty busy. And as a result of that, we could use some of that work because live streams started coming in. And we started mm-hmm. doing live streams in the studio. Well, I told my guys, I said, look, I'm going to keep you guys employed, every single one of you, every week as if we're having a, uh, as, as if you're having a gig. And I said, in exchange, um, take a look at this crappy um, Jimmy Fallon Zoom video that they did, and we, which we did. And I said, I think we could do this better. So we started doing um, these Zoom videos during COVID. And if you go to uh, the YouTube channel for Sully Band, you'll see some of the most artistic stuff there because remember I've got a full TV production company and we got a full recording studio. So what we would do is we would pick a song every week and I'm talking about diverse stuff, taking it to the streets. Also ice cold daydream or Africa by Toto or, um, or love train. Like, honestly, it was something different every week and sometimes we morphed them, but what we would do is we'd get a click track and a, and sort of a, tra- a, a scratch vocal so all of us could play our parts because remember we weren't together. Right. So we'd right. turn our parts in over to uh, to uh, uh, Alan Sanderson um, from Pacific Beat Recording, who is of course the uh, the engineer for greats like Rolling Stones and Fleetwood Mac and Switchfoot and a number of others. And he would mix the sound. At the same time, we would turn we would turn over our video footage to one of our editors at my studio, and we're you know legitimately 14, 15 Grammy Award nominations. Um, we got nice gold statues everywhere, but it's not because of the guys on the air. It's because, because the guy's doing um, uh, the video editing. So they would do the video editing along with the, the uh, audio production. We'd start on a Friday and by the next Friday, we would have a completed video, which aired on a lot of TV stations. And also we did this thing called Sully Band Saturdays on social media. And, um, and that's, that was really the interesting part about what happened with COVID is suddenly we got used to playing every week. Well, now to be able to, to answer your question, um, we have, I think this year, I think for the rest of the year so far, about 35 gigs and they're all over the country. They're, you know, some of them are here in San Diego, you know, others, I think we go to Colorado for a couple of them. We've, you know, we've, uh, I think we, we played Antones, uh, um, over in Austin, Texas last year. Um, I think we're still finding out if we're going to be invited to the Americana festival this year. Um, you know, San Diego blues festival, you know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff locally, but again, we are still, you know, we're really popular here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get popular in Orange County and LA um, uh, with respect to being able to be booked in some places, but um, um, we're, get, we're, we're getting busy. And the good news is it's not time prohibitive for me because again, you know, my radio television career starts very early and ends by 1.30. My consulting stuff and my t- studio stuff is kind of wrapped around that. So I'm usually done by about 1.30 Pacific every day which gives us an opportunity to, you know, um, we don't rehearse much, but it gives us an opportunity to go play almost as much as we want because we're we're no longer playing Sunday, Monday, Tuesday gigs anymore. So luckily we're getting some, we're getting the good, we're getting the good slots finally. Well, I think we're kind of winding down on our time frame. Do we have, do we have time for a quick lightning round? Sure. Yeah. I got a few minutes guys. All right, good. So these are just fun questions, whatever comes to mind on here. So sure. we found out what the first concert you ever attended was, was Otis Redding. What is the yeah. best concert you ever went to? Oh my God. I, uh, Billy Joel, 1987. Um, just, and I haven't seen him since, but it was one of those concerts where I can't believe he wrote this song. I can't <laughs> believe he wrote that song. This is his song. Yeah. It was a really entertaining concert. And I always, I always compare 
kind of what we're doing with what I, you know, you know, nowadays I'm fortunate enough to either be able to be invited to be backstage with guys like you or get to buy good seats in the front. Back right. then, I think it was the furthest thing back. I remember Billy Joel, and I think it was at the Forum in LA, visited every section of that, of that um, arena. He went and took a, a, a wireless microphone and stood in front of, you know, all of those sections. And it was amazing. So yeah, wow. I, I will remember that to this day. I've seen a lot of concerts, a lot of great stuff. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, compare that to the police or how do you compare that to the Eagles or even the Doobie brothers or Michael McDonald or even the Zach Brown band. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to, I guess hands down, um, most remarkable concert probably when I was a little kid because I, because I, you know, all the sights and the sounds, but gotta be Billy Joel. Love it. Great choice. Um, we're visiting San Diego. Give Brian and I a recommendation of a restaurant to try. Um, well, I, if you're, where, where are you guys living in? What's your, what's Brian, Brian, you go ahead and start first. You're uh, I am in, San Diego. Uh, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> enough said. I'm not taking it anywhere but a Mexican place in a real right. Mexican food place. It, it would be uh, Fidel's, um, Fidel's Mexican village uh, in Solana beach down the street from all of us. And, uh, and if you ever are in San Diego, <clears throat> you got to come here in this studio and do, uh, and do your, uh, your podcast here and get you guys on stage and as guests on some of the national shows, because you guys would be terrific in here. Plus there's oh, a huge stage you guys can hang on. Love it. We will wow. take you up on Thank that you. offer. And I love San Diego. It's a beautiful <laughs> city. Yeah. Um, we got the food question out of the way. What is the best place to go see a live show in San Diego? Um, I honestly think it's belly up because it holds about six, 700 people. And, and you never know who's going to show up there. Um, it's, it's our home court. And obviously, I'm, I'm going to be a homer about it. But it's a really, really great place to see live music. The other one is the Music Box uh, in downtown. Maybe the best sound system I've ever played behind. Um, you've got, uh, of course, you know, the big amphitheater stuff is great. But it's still the big amphitheater stuff. Right. You know, I, I sort of like those down and dirty places, you know, that are less than 1,000 people. Because you can get up close and you can you can actually, you know, get involved. I remember being invited to Jimmy Buffett's um, um, uh, concert just a few months ago, which was, uh, which is a private sort of thing that they were live streaming. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this would not, even if there was only a hundred people in the audience at, at a sleep train amphitheater or, or any other, it just wouldn't be the same. Those intimate venues are the places to go as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to say belly up tavern. Love, yeah. Down. I'm with you. I love to see bands in kind of smaller intimate setting yeah, ready just, to see. Just, up, just up the road like coach house up in san clemente i mean that's the type of venue it is it's one of those things where it's not really a bar it's not really a restaurant but it is one of those venues where um people are there for the music that's one of the things people right. are not there for the cocktails although there's plenty of over serving over serving that goes on there <laughs> but the people are there for the music which is which is probably the best thing ever yeah, I'm getting ready to go see Blackberry Smoke, who I'm wearing a shirt of. There you and go. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. So downtown Columbus, there's the Athenaeum Theater, yeah. which I actually had my my uh, wedding reception there. And I'm like, how are they going to play this place? Because normally they play this indoor-outdoor sure. amphitheater right. thing. And so it's got to be a little bit of an intimate setting. I, I can't wait because they're one of my favorite bands. So Yeah, you guys got to get to San Diego. We'll show you around for a couple of days. Oh, I, I'd take you up on that. All right. Like when, play... Maybe when Buddy Guys and maybe when Buddy Guys playing the belly up, right? Talk yeah. about an influence. Buddy Guys is a big one. In fact, the first song we ever recorded was Best Damn Fool. It was under the name Sully and the Soldiers, which you, you can find on Spotify. <clears throat> but we took his guitar licks because there's no way you could imitate what was going on there. We made him horn licks, but it was next time he comes to town, I'll give you guys an invite. You got to come in and hang with us. Oh man, I'd love it. And then I've got some work locations out in that area too. So I can kill two birds in one stone. 
I got another friend that lives out there. So yeah. Anything to get out of Fargo. Yeah, right. Anything to get out of Fargo. (laughs) Columbus isn't too bad. It's not San Diego. I think I could headline Fargo, perhaps. Oh, we'll for see. sure, yeah. <laughs> Fargo Blues Fest. You know, Let's do it. if you need a gig out there, Brian knows people and he can get you set up. <laughs> perfect. I'll put you in. I'll put you in touch with Mary, our manager. That's perfect. <laughs> Love that idea. Hey, you can play with any band or artist, living or dead, for one night. Who you choose on? Tower of Power by a lot. Wow. I'd like to, I'd like to do lead vocals for Tower of Power. I think okay. I would. I think I would slay that. I I, I I I try to be humble, but I do think I could kill that. You got the I good. Really you did. got the good vocals for it, man. Like it just, uh, you whatever the t- the type of music you're playing, your vocals are perfect for it. Yeah, that's that's by design. I'm not. We're not playing much. Uh, much that I can't handle. And, and the big secret is, is I've got such a good band. We can change keys that night, depending on what's left in my voice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the horns just can do quick horn chart changes, and we can still do it. So you do Tower of Power. Is there one particular song you'd absolutely have to do? Down to the nightclub. I mean, I'm not even thinking about it. Down to the nightclub. Also, um, I don't. I wouldn't mind playing with um, Bill Champlin. Remember Sons of Champlin? Um, about, about the same time, about the same time, Tower of Power was coming out. Okay, it was a band like called uh, Sons of Champlin, and uh, but yeah, Tower of Power, um, Down to the Nightclub, just killing it. I mean, I, that, that doesn't get any better than that. I mean, there's some obvious ones, but that's the one. We've heard a lot of people and a lot a lot of responses. That's the first Tower of Power, but that is an excellent choice. Yeah, good stuff. I love those guys. I think I've seen them like 18 times. I mean, it's have you really? I, wow. I have to go. I go every single time. And my dream is to open for those guys. Um, it may happen. Um, like I I'll tell you, why not? We opened for Tommy Castro last year. Nice. Talk about a guy that can play blues. My God, <laughs> that was such a great show. So, and I would see him every time as well. There is a dude we had on a couple of weeks ago, Harless Sweetwater, who's a, a blues guy. He's up the up the road from you in. Um, uh, where was he there, Brian? Outside L- the LA area. Uh, around Long Beach. Yeah. Oh yeah, Long, you know Long that's Beach. why I know it because one of my best friends is, is is an optometrist in Long Beach, and he's he and I geek out on blues and R&B all the time. That's check Harless Sweetwater out. You dig it? Right. All right, good all right. stuff. I'll check it. Last question for you. This yes, is the, This is the best one. Give us a guilty pleasure artist or song that you have. Oh boy, that's a tough one, but um, I gotta say, there's a ton of Maroon Five that I'm not embarrassed to say that I listen to. And um, when um, when I when you know I've got two daughters um, that are uh, that are millennials, and they, when they listen to Backstreet Boys, kind of tough to turn that off. I mean, it's you know structurally a perfect song. The mix is perfect because it's overproduced. So, yeah. but, but, <laughs> so if you want to talk a guilty guilty pressure. Uh, that's probably the one and then uh, and then maybe anything uh from um cj mccall who did um uh the c you know the cb radio song back in the 70s yeah i remember that song <laughs> on smoky and the bandit and those yeah. Yeah, yeah. some of that stuff's good stuff see the cj mccall one i wouldn't say it's guilty pleasure that's just a pleasure it is that's true but, but <laughs> who would, want, but who would want to admit it and, and you have to be old <laughs> enough to understand it right that's true well you know brian and i are, are, are gen x so we were, we we got the 70s and 80s stuff yeah. pretty well All right. yeah, you guys are young compared but, to me i th- thank you for saying that i appreciate that i don't always get your you're young <laughs> <laughs> try being well that you know that, i will tell you as a parting note you know um, we have sort of embraced this thing where, um, you know, I signed my first record deal at age 61 and I've got two more here, uh, and at, at age 62 now. And it's one of those things where if there's a message I could give to anybody, you know, I didn't start television until I was 40. I, I, I you know, it, it's one of those wow. things where you don't, you know, you, and I tell my kids this all the time and any, and any young person that comes up to me, the show, 
you know, you just because you think you're too old for it, you're not. I mean, honest to goodness, I, if nothing else ever happens to me, I can always say I was a top five blues chart on Billboard above Eric Clapton. Uh, and, and you better believe I called Nathan East and, and, and <laughs> who's a friend. And happy birthday, Eric Clapton. Today's the 77th yeah, birthday. That's right. That's right. And um, I will tell you, I can always say that I charted at age 61, uh, my debut album. And it was, it was, uh, it's a lesson to be learned by most all of us. It's never too late to start. That's, dude, that is a great lesson for everybody listening on the show. Uh, for the artists that we've had on, we do a lot of promotion of newer bands and under the radar stuff to try to give them a platform. So I think that is excellent words of advice. Well, I appreciate you guys giving us some love because it's, 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 it's things like this that, you know, sort of get you to the next level. And, you know, it's funny, even though I was on national television radio for the last, you know, 25 years, um, you know, these type of opportunities as, as young musicians don't come easy regardless. You have to earn these type of things. And that's why it's really important just to keep on going and, uh, and be that, you know, 15 year overnight success that people tend to, <laughs> tend to appreciate. So, well, if your music stunk, we wouldn't have had young. So just, you yeah. know, <laughs> you don't get that. to be on the number one blues and Southern rock podcast without having good music. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'll tell you who really loves is Chris Goldsmith, my producer and good friend, five-time Grammy award winner. Uh, and, and we say this all the time. Well, you know, not only do they like the music, but everybody writing or talking about us gets it. And, and it was mm -hmm. one of those, I think it could have gone either way with this album. You either got to get it or you don't. And, and what I'm saying is most people are getting it. And we're really, we're really, really appreciative of that. Well, the people that get it, if you're blues, R&B, soul music, uh, Tedeschi Trucks band type of stuff, this is right in your wheelhouse. Definitely go out and check the Sully Band. Where should we go to find out more about you guys, the bios, get the music, find out tour dates? You can go to sullyband.com is our, is our website. Of course, all the music is available everywhere. Apple Music and Spotify and Pandora and everywhere else. Uh, and then, of course, uh, on social channels, we're at Sully Band Music. But um, I would suggest, while they last, um, our vinyl is purple vinyl. Yes. And, and yes. <laughs> you'll, you'll see the picture. <laughs> no, yeah, and I... It's the coolest thing ever. I mean, I was I, I was a little iffy on it at the beginning, but man, they hit a home run on our our. Uh, I mean, back when I was a kid, the, the the closest thing to to alternative vinyl was red clear or green clear during Christmas. It was Andy Williams' uh, Christmas album, but uh, yeah, these guys did a great job. So you can you can pick that stuff up at our our website as well. I think it's the first thing that pops up as soon as you go on the website. You actually have to. Yeah, you got to get clear. You got to get past it. <laughs> it is a great website. You can see live performances on there, listen to music. It's really good. So everybody go to sollyband.com to check out Solly and his band of all-stars. He is proclaims to be the worst musician in the band, oh, which is I saying know. a lot because he's a good <laughs> damn musician. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Brian? Well, thanks to Sully from the Sully Band. The record is less straightening out. Uh, and also thank you for the invite to do a podcast at the studio at some point. We'd love to do it. That's very Man, We'd love to have you. I think it'd be great to have you guys back here. And, and we've got, you know, several studios here. And I think it'd be really interesting to have guys like you in there and just, you know, post it up and then we'll put it on TV. We'll make right. it work. We'll get it together. All thank right, you guys. so much, Sully, for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Jason, when are we going, when are we going to San Diego? Um. <laughs> Listen, I'm good. I'm good to go anytime, man. <laughs> I love San Diego. It's beautiful, perfect weather. The best fish tacos in the world are in San Diego, and we can go listen to some good music with our friend Solly. Yeah, uh, we definitely want to take that opportunity up, you know. And uh, you know, I've already got other reasons to go with, you know, some family and uh, friends. So, yeah, we definitely got to do that. I'm just tickled pink that that he uh, brought that up. 
And uh, once again, another art, you know, artist that knows everybody. Just oh, knows everybody. Sure. <laughs> he knows everybody for one of the many media business ventures he has. Uh, I dug his his um, his uh, guilty pleasure choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went Backstreet Boys, Maroon Five. Mm-hmm. You know, Backstreet Boys. That's pretty damn guilty. I'll give you. I'll give him that. But he does have daughters of the age that would have liked the Backstreet Boys. You know, the but thing he- about all that kind of music that we've probably poked that we've all you know is you know, more pure rock and roll musicians and appreciators of that. We poke fun at the pop stuff. But one thing that you always find out is like the bands and that, that go on tour and stuff. Like there are some of the best players in the world, even if the music's not your cup of tea, like you can't, you you can't argue. They don't, you know, acts like that. Don't get hacks on stage. They get like the best of the best. And pop music has to sound like the album. It's not going to crows or or blackberry smoke or government mule where they can, you know, they can jam and do their thing. No pop. They have to sound just like the album. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Nuno yeah. Bedencourt playing with, with um, Rihanna, like, oh, you know, sure, Nuno yeah. Bedencourt, Rihanna, he's Rihanna's <laughs> guitar player. Come on. Yeah. So who knows more people? Would it be, would it be Sully or Fab Grassi? So here's what <laughs> I'd like to do. If we get down to San Diego, we see if we can get Fab down there to be yeah. Sully and just, and just sit back and let 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 it record and see what happens. Well, there's certainly people that they both know. I'm sure they certainly have mutual probably friends. Be, we brought up Harless, who we just had on. Yeah. Sully had heard of, but wasn't familiar with, but had heard of him. So I don't know, man. Good dude. I, I you were spot on when you called out to Dusty Trucks comparisons. I hear a lot of yeah. that. You hear that old R&B, 60s, 70s R&B, blues. Um, that's right in our wheelhouse, Brian. And I know I've, I've really been enjoying listening to that album. Yeah, you know, and, and it, you know, at Blues Festivals, you know, some of them tend to be a little more diverse. And you'll get more of that kind of big band that has some blues flavor in it, but brings in the soul and the R&B, and, which is all related. And it's all in the same, you know, musical DNA. Yep. So that works in well with, uh, you know, the, our podcast wanting, you know, wanting to emphasize like, you know, down south and, you know, can be wherever where all, you know, these different great uh, genres of music and off genres of rock and roll all kind of meet somehow and you know we uh listen southern california is just as south as a lot of these like mississippi like you know what i mean like it's it goes to the it goes down pretty far so that is still the south brian and that the south it is so always remember southern rock is reverent and blues is blood we'll see you next time Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 